I read you. Where are you? Flying blind on a rocket cycle. Flying blind on a rocket cycle? And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. Studying, studying, studying. Here comes Cooper onto that outside move again. Cooper, outside. Can he pull the move? Matt Cooper with a brilliant move on the outside. Never seen that done through Mosses. And look at the run that Matt Cooper has. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rumble Strip Radio. Today is Monday, the 15th of May. The year is 2006, and you are on pole position for news, commentary, and opinion in the world of motorcycle road racing here on episode now number 11 of Rumble Strip Radio. Got a uh, lot of stuff to get through uh, for this episode. I'm not going to say for this week because... Uh, I keep talking about doing uh, multiple episodes per week, and uh, this week we're definitely going to do it. Um, I'm not going to jinx anything by saying uh, what I got going on the rest of this week for the show, <clears throat> but um, some good stuff lined up. Got got an interview confirmed, something I've been working on for a while, and um, so that'll uh, that'll I hope hopefully be uh, doing that interview actually shortly after I finish uh, getting everything. Uh, recorded and and done up and uploaded and all that other good stuff. So, um, no need for the old bit siren today. We have show prep. I know, you know, hell's freezing over. The Lions will win the Super Bowl. You know, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, coming to you from uh, a rather crappy day here in Little Baghdad. It's uh, mid. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's actually. Well, let's get the uh, the weather update here from. Uh, our little widget, 55 degrees and uh, cloudy, raining off and on all day. You know, all this stuff's supposed to happen in April, right? April showers bring May flowers. Well, April was absolutely gorgeous. It was like sunshine every day, and I swear for the last week all it's done is rains. So, you know, my grass is like a foot high, and I can't go cut it because it's always wet. So I guess I understand what all you people out in the uh, northwest part of uh, the United States are always complaining about and um hope everything's well for all the everyone up in the northeast part of this country i understand a ton of uh uh flooding going on up there so hopefully all is well up there i think they just had to cancel a uh a round for loudon up there for the club racing the LRRS uh club race series up there at loudon so all right let's get all the good stuff out of the way contact information you can uh, always send contact or hello you can always send contact you can always send your feedback uh opinions however you like to do it, email rumblestripperadio at gmail.com. You can send us, uh, uh, we float around on Skype, rumblestripperadio on the Skype. Uh, you can subscribe to us over at uh, Podnova uh, through your RSS reader off the website, through iTunes, Podcast Alley. Hey, send us some love over on uh, Podcast Alley and vote for us. And also, while I'm thinking about it, on iTunes. If you go over to iTunes and subscribe to us and uh, you go through the menus to get to us, uh, through the iTunes uh, uh, browser there, uh, write a review for us. We're, um, I'm looking for my first review on the show and, and what you're thinking. And uh, So if you can give us some love over there, too, that would be great. Uh, let's see. Oh, going to change the audio quality um, when I do the mix down here. I've been, uh, it's been at, what's, at 128K. I'm going to go down to 64K. Uh, for this episode, and I want, I, I do want feedback. Please send feedback on, uh, whether, you know, you notice a difference at all, whether you like it, you don't like it. Uh, the reason being is, um, well, two. Number one, it's half the file size, so it saves me some room on the server. Uh, two, it loads quicker. Um, and I'm gonna start trying to do two, at least two shows a week if I can, and, um, you know, I don't wanna have to spend like a thousand dollars a month on server costs, so, um, I don't spend anywhere near close to that, but you, you get the point. Anytime, anywhere you can save a dime, 
that's uh, it's always a good thing. So uh, send feedback uh, after you listen to this episode. Listen, go back, listen to a couple other episodes, and um, and then listen to this one. Let let me know what you think. And um, if you don't like it, if it sounds crappy, uh, we'll bump it up. We'll go back to uh, to the 128k version, so which is what we've been doing uh, th- for the first uh, ten episodes so far. Um, also, want to give a call out to uh, Mark Jensen over at uh, Pod Squad. Uh, Pod Squad. That's p o d s q o d dot com. And um, Mark's got a different show. It's if you're a podcaster and audio, um, his show is is actually pretty good. He reviews a lot of stuff. Um, He's an old broadcast guy, and so he's particular about things and, and reviews a lot of interesting stuff and good stuff, a lot of stuff that I can't even dream of owning uh, for the for the setup here. Some stuff, yeah, maybe, you know, in the future as, as this thing takes off. So, But anyways, um, had sent Mark some feedback and uh, had a lot of good things to say about the site and the show, so I want to thank Mark, uh, Mark Jensen for... For mentioning us on the show, I know he's got a, a pretty well listened to and a pretty wide audience. So, uh, always, always thanks for that. So, uh, let's see what else do we have going on here. Oh, uh, I recorded a segment for the next uh, motorcycle podcast group show, which should be coming out. Uh, I'm going to guess either probably late this week or early next week. We're getting four or five people to put a ten minutes, ten ten to fifteen minute segment together, and um, I, I put my segment in about uh, the the uh, motorcycle broadcast slash uh, magazine industry and uh, had a few interesting things to say. So look for that over at the uh, Motorcycle Podcast Group, and um, and you can listen to myself, um, Alan from the uh, World Superbike uh, Pod show is doing some stuff. I, I can't remember and. Uh, Ray from the Knee Dragon is is uh, Knee Dragon podcast kicking something out. I think Prubert is uh, is kicking something. So it's going to be a pretty good show, and I'm not sure if we're going to do a roundtable on that or not, or if it's just going to be a show of segments. So um, as I as I know more of how that show is going to come together, um, I'll let you know. So uh, last thing in the housekeeping section is uh, got some gear in from Komodo. So I've been talking to Wayne Wilder over at Komodo Gear for the past uh, few weeks and uh, had some questions I was asking him. And they're like, uh, you you know, asked him, uh, interested in re- having some gear reviewed. And uh, really, really, really good people over at Komodo Gear. I think I mentioned that a couple shows ago. And they're really hip on the, on the whole podcast thing. So um, they sent over a pair of gloves and a jacket for me to review. It's... Um, it's the Gino, I think it's the Gino series is the right uh, right one, and uh, you know came out of the came out of the box and and looked good, and um, haven't had a chance to use any of it yet because it's been raining since I got the stuff. So, um, and and I'm not one to afraid to go ride in the rain, uh, but the problem is is that my bike, the uh, TZR250, uh, needs tires uh, badly. So those are actually on order right now and hoping to get those uh, at the end of this week or beginning of next week. We'll see how the uh, Motorcycle USA uh, guys work out. First time ordering stuff through them, so we'll see how that works out. Hey, we're doing uh, over $100. You get free shipping and paid $10 for handling. So got myself a pair of Michelins for about 160 bucks with shipping. So we'll see how those guys work out. Um, all right, let's, uh, before we get to the news, let's, uh, let's hear from some of those motorcycle podcast guys. Hey, all you motorcycle nuts out there in podcast land. Are you looking for more Moto Chat to fill up your time between rides? My name is Prubert, and I am inviting you to check out Motocast. Me and my co-hosts, Nate and Brandon, talk to you about anything from moto product reviews to great roads, and we may even toss in some special guests from time to time. So check us out at motocast.libsyn.com. That's motocast.libsyn.com. We're three riders that really like to talk. Check out the next episode of Road Racer Podcast, the podcast about amateur motorcycle road racing, AMA news, and interviews with motorcycle road racers. I'm your host, John Bunt, an amateur motorcycle racer. For more information, check out roadracerpodcast.com. All right, so uh, general news going on out in the world. A uh, lot of lot of stuff happening. Um, Frankie Keeley uh, was uh, there's a press release uh, out from his people saying that his 
return for Silverstone in, uh, what, 10, 11 days now, is starting to look a little in doubt. He started pushing his training uh, a little much, much harder to get ready and, and be fit for that race and starting to have uh, a lot more pain than he expected in, his, in the pelvic region where it got busted. So uh, Frankie is looking doubtful for, for, the now, for now the Silverstone race uh, as well. The Canadian Superbike Series kicks off this weekend at Shannonville, running the Pro Track, which, if any of you, anyone is familiar with uh, Shannonville's track, uh, it has about five different, four or five different configurations, um, ranging anywhere from like 1.1 miles to, I think, like th- almost three miles um, with the with the long track. So, but they are running the Pro Track, which is sort of the uh, the perimeter of the course, and. Um, so anyways, those guys are kicking off their season up there, first year under the Pirelli control tires, and I may be going up there this weekend uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, not sure if that's going to be a done deal or not. It's sort of going to be a last-minute deal um, if if I do get to pull that one off. Uh, I know I've said that we're going to get Colin Frazier on the show and, and tried to get uh, an interview set up with him last week, and it just because of this week being their first race of the year, um, and he's having some last-minute things thrown together for the series and, tr- and trying to get a couple other sponsors on board. He's just been really, really tied up. And, um, and in the last conversation I had with him, he's just like, look, 20 minutes is one of those amounts of time that's just really, really tight right now. So if uh, if I can get up there for the for the race this weekend, I'm going to try and grab him uh, for the interview up there. If not, we'll try and get him uh, over the next couple of weeks to talk about the, the Canadian series. So. And this weekend is also the AMA series at Infineon, or Sears Point, as everyone who's been alive for a little while knows and, and probably still refers to it. Um, Raj Hayden's going to try and ride it. Not sure. I haven't heard uh, final what from uh, from a couple people whether he's uh, going to be good to go or whether it's going to be one of those the maybe maybe not deals. Uh, came across today is that Jeremy Mc, Jeremy McWilliams will be back in the U.S. and riding the Buell XBRR in the Formula Extreme class. Um, Buell pulled the bikes after Daytona, did some redesigning around the primary gears, uh, some stuff with the clutch, just the way it was loading up. Uh, the, the the stress was loading it up and causing a uh, lot of problems and uh, was one of the main reasons for all four bikes failing during the Formula Extreme race at Daytona. So uh, those of you going out to the race, a little bit envious because it's a great track to to watch. There's usually some pretty good racing going on there. Um, and uh, you can get a chance to meet Jeremy McWilliams, who by all accounts is a pretty good dude. So, you know, he's 40, 41 years old and definitely can still ride the crap out of a motorcycle. So maybe, he, uh, maybe he'll impress enough people over here that someone will give him a proper ride and he won't have to ride the Buell anymore. So, uh, let's see. MotoGP is headed to Le Mans, so they were in Shanghai this past weekend, and we're going to spend some time talking about uh, talking about that. Um, got uh, stuff printed off and ready to go for that. So no searching around on the interweb and trying to get their page to work. But that's um, a hell of a shipment. I mean, you literally have to ship absolutely everything there, and then you got to pack it all up and ship it all right back. And there's a lot of a lot of people who've been telling me that getting in and out of when you have the equipment is is kind of a pain in the ass uh, getting in and out of Shanghai. In fact, uh, if you listen to uh, MotoGPOD last week or last uh, I'm sorry for Friday's show, the show that kicked out Friday, um, Bob had uh, Liam Schubert on, and he was talking about how some of the teams just don't like going there. The, the track itself. And the, facil- the, the facilities for the track are great. They're beautiful. They're, they're top shelf. Um, the track itself, as far as the layout, no one's a real hip on. Um, and then getting in and out of the country is a pain in the ass as well. But they're committed for another three years to that track. So um, we'll see what happens going forward with that. But, yeah, they're uh, kicking everything out and headed back to Le Mans for this weekend and uh, start of a European run. For the series, um, speaking of Liam, he's uh, he's doing pretty well over there. Got a lot of stuff in the works. Uh, he's got an article, uh, a couple articles. It sounds like that he's going to be kicking out to Road Racer X magazine. So that's good. He's getting some work over there. However, um, money's not in the bank yet, and he's still a little spotty on some work. So if you'd like to help 
lay him out and kick him some beer money or some dinner money, you can uh, PayPal him at motoliam at paypal dot or hello paypal is motoliam at gmail dot com. So, um, as he said, you know, even if 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 you can help out and drop twenty bucks to me, that'd be outstanding. Uh, he uh, didn't get paid for some work that he did for a semi well known team. Um, and that's about as far as I'm going to go into that. Um, he was expecting to have some expenses picked up and, uh, which is kind of standard and, and get paid for work he did and didn't really happen. And well, there you go. So he's trying to live the dream and, uh, trying to do a lot of stuff over there. And if we can help him, uh, help him out with it, that'd be outstanding. So again, if you, if you can afford, uh, 15, 20 bucks, um, or more, if you can, but 15, you know, 20 bucks, take care of them for a meal or meal for the day or beer money going out or however you want to say it. It's motoliam at gmail.com. And he also has a DVD that he filmed from uh, Shanghai. He and he and a buddy of his put together a DVD from Shanghai and um, Laguna last year. So uh, if you, if you want to try and help him out that way, um, you can email him again, motoliam at gmail.com, and I think he can probably put that DVD together for you. I think it's a done deal. You just have, would have to burn it and print it and um, and ship it out. So I'm sure you work a deal with him to, uh, you know, like 15, 20 bucks. I'd be more than happy to kick that out to you. And you can see sort of like a different different take on, uh, on what really goes on at, at a MotoGP race. So with that, um, kick out a couple... Uh, Couple shout outs to some of the more a couple more people out here and then we'll get to uh to Shanghai. Listen up everyone. If you ride a sport bike and you're not listening to the Knee Dragon Podcast, you're not getting the whole story. The Knee Dragon Podcast is motorcycle talk that doesn't suck. We cover all things sport bike related from superbike and MotoGP racing to the newest street sport bikes. From riding technique to the latest technology. If it affects our sport, it's in the show. So check it out. www.kneedragon.net Calling all Canadians. Do you ride a bike on the back of a bike or daydream about either one? Do you like to lumber along on a Sunday morning or scrape your pegs in the twisties? Do you like to dodge sand dunes or ford rivers? Well, if you answered yes to any of the above, then why not give a listen to the Twisted Wrist podcast? The Twisted Wrist is the first podcast dedicated to the Canadian rider from a Canadian perspective. So why not toss on your jacket and gloves, lace up your boots, strap on your lid, and plug into the Twisted Wrist? Your ticket to Northern Adventure is at twistedwrist.blogspot.com. The Twisted Wrist, podcasting with a mouthful of bugs. All right, so Shanghai this past weekend uh, proved to be an interesting weekend uh, on a lot of different levels. And uh, we'll get to uh, all the interesting stuff, or some of the interesting stuff anyways. Um, first off, weather. Weather! Uh, sorry, most of you won't get that. It's a very, very inside bit, and only if you live in Metro Detroit and listen to a particular radio station would you get that inside bit. So, anyways, did uh, to the first what three practices? It was raining uh, for all the classes out there, and just wondering if some of you noticed in the MotoGP class how fast, how ridiculously fast these cats were going. I believe the number that I saw was 203 miles an hour. Uh, that would be, what, 340K? Sorry, let's get the uh, conversion up here. And, uh, well, we'll just do it this way. I have to guess on the uh, kilometers. Uh, 325, yeah, 325, 327K. Um, to uh, in the wet and then uh, i think the highest uh speed in the dry was 343 kilometers an hour that's over 213 miles an hour kids so i don't know what's more amazing the fact that these things are doing 213 210 213 215 miles an hour or the fact that these guys are going down the front straight 
at 200 miles an hour in the wet and then banging down into first gear for, you know, going, what, 45K through uh, through turn one in first gear? <laughs> That's... Uh, the. I'm not sure what's more, well. There's a lot of things that are impressive about that. One, the fact that these guys and the tire technology exists to go that fast in the wet, and also being able to control the bike with the deceleration that they have. Again, a lot of tire technology involved in here. Being able to slow down and and lose um, what 300, almost 300 kilometers an hour. You know, 100, 275, 280 kilometers an hour. In terminal speed uh, going into turn one that's just mind-boggling and just to think about it i mean think about if you ride and you're out on the wet riding out there in the wet on the street well we'll talk street and track and just think about how careful and conscious you are about braking um, now on the street you got you know gas spills diesel spills uh oil just general crap that gets spewed by, you know, everyone's vehicle that floats around um, on a racetrack a little bit, sometimes better, sometimes worse, depending on sealer strips and things like that. But in race tires, would you have much more grip uh, in the wet, especially full-on rain tires. But still, just absolutely amazing of, of where we are from a technology standpoint uh, of the ability to ride in the rain. Um, practice was... It was interesting. I watched a little bit of it um, on the MotoGP. Watched qualifying uh, for at least most. Or what did I watch? I watched 250 qualifying, and I watched about the first 20, 25 minutes of MotoGP qualifying, and it started to rain. And at this point in time, it was about 2:30 or so in the morning for me. I was pretty beat, so I just clicked it off, thinking, "Okay, it's gonna rain. They're done. This is this is the way it uh, the way it's gonna be." Get up the next morning and, uh, well, I guess it dried out a little bit because things changed. Um, everyone was guessing and gambling on what the hell was going on for the weekend and, and trying to get this set up. Yamaha had a ton of problems. They they were way off base. Then, uh, according to Rossi, at the very end, it looked like they were getting somewhere. And for the race itself, it doesn't look like it worked out for a lot of reasons, and, and we'll get to that in just a just a second. So, I mean, if you've had a chance to see the races, great. And if you haven't, well, you know, spoilers, spoilers ahead. So be uh, be forewarned. As for the races themselves, some pretty good racing um, in all three classes. And uh, it was kind of fun getting together with a bunch of people from the Ride On 2 crew on, um, on IRC and on Skype. And um, as we're... T- some of us are on to Skype. We're, we're, I was, we're, we found out that the two different feeds, one is a 200K feed, the other is a 450K feed. Um, for you know, Both of them are broadband, but depends on how broad your band is or how banned your broad is. Uh, that, they have diff- that they're sent at different times. There's literally a 20 to 25 second difference um, in the feed as far as where they are on track couple guys were watching on the on the 450 feed and just because i have an older setup um i can't run skype and and get and uh, process the 450 feed at the same time so i was on the 200 feed and i'm like i I was talking about stuff and then i realized oh wait a minute they're not seeing this yet so it kept getting the shut up shut up you're gonna ban you're gonna get kicked off so it was interesting the um the cool thing though is if you can get the uh, the the call fell apart about two-thirds of the way through the uh, for the actual MotoGP race. And if you can can process the 450 feed, which I could just if that's all I'm running, and go to full screen, it's actually not a bad picture, all things considered. You know, you're, it's it's not like you would see on TV. Um, but it's actually not too bad for viewing on a computer screen. Now, the, 200, the 200K feed, nah, it's pretty pixelated. But the 400, 450K feed, not too bad at full screen, even on my ancient system. So... Um, Let's see, 125 race was, you know, it, it wasn't like a full-on classic 125 race, but you had, you know, five, six guys running up there in the freight train and going at it. And, you know, Mika Calio was hanging around, hanging around. Was he going to be able to get it? No, yes, no. And then 
fell back like in the fifth spot with like a lap and a half to go. And uh, this Peshek kid just looked dynamite all race, just making, you know, pulling, pulling moves that are just really impressive. And uh, looked like he was set up to uh, to go for the win and just outbraked himself there at the very end ran out you know ran wide or ran you know ran wide basically and 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 handed the win to um you know ran out and then uh Calio snuck out from nowhere to to take the win which was pretty impressive uh Batista had a pretty solid run and um solidified his his points lead so 125 one of my favorite classes, just among other reasons, because not only is the racing good, but I used to race them. It's, I might have mentioned them uh, once or twice or a thousand times in the past shows. So Miki Calio takes the win, which is, um, I'm sure they're very happy after all the disappointment at Istanbul with um, the motor or whatever they decided the problem was. Uh, Pasini in second place. Batista took the last spot on the podium. So KTM, Aprilia, Aprilia. Uh, Telmaski, Telmaki, Telmaski, whatever. Uh, I was Honda in fourth spot. Uh, Julian Simone on the KTM in fifth. Uh, Peshek ended up coming home in sixth spot on the Derby. That's kind of, I mean, KTM, Aprilia, Honda, Derby, top six. So, what, four different bikes in the, in the top six. Uh, Hector Faubel on the Aprilia in seventh. Uh, Fabrizio Lai on the Honda in eighth. Uh, Koyama on the Malaguti in ninth, and Corsoy in tenth on the Jalera. So, one, two, three, four, five. Let's see. One, KTM, Aprilia, Honda, Derby, Malaguti, and Jalera. So, six manufacturers in uh, in the top ten. So, that's that's cool. That's very cool. Um, Looking, uh, looking through a couple things in here, just in, in the results, to uh, to see what what else was going on in there. Any any names of note farther back? Didn't really see much out of those top, uh, more than the top what five, six, seven guys throughout the race. So, uh, but the racing was good up there, so it's no reason to go anywhere else. As far as the points for 125, Batista really solidified himself. Uh, with a third place finish, as far as being on top of uh, on top of the championship points, uh, he's on top and on uh, on 86 points. Calio with a nice comeback, uh, taking the win there uh, in China, brings himself uh, up into second spot with 58 points. Hector Faubel now in third place with 54. Pasini is in fourth place on 49. Uh, Gadea uh, is in fifth spot. Uh, with 46 points, didn't have a a good run. He ended up finishing in 11th position, so not a not necessarily a good run for him. Um, Peshek, we talked about him, had a great run and just lost out on the lost it out there and uh, cost himself quite a few points. Uh, ended up with 10 points in uh, in sixth spot and is now on 39 points in sixth. Uh, Tomaski, uh 36 points in 7th. Uh, Simone, 33 points in 8th. Corso has 31 in 9th. And uh, Jean-Alive is 20 points in 10th position. As far as the Constructors' Championship goes, uh, Aprilia on top with 95. KTM, 63. Derby on 39. Tied with Honda, 39. Jalera with 31. And Malaguti with 19 points in 6th position. Um, slide on over to the 250s, and it was kind of a replay of Qatar in that it was uh, Barbara and uh, Davizioso kind of, they didn't necessarily run away with this race like they did at Qatar, or I'm sorry, Gutter. <coughs> um, I'm sorry. That, that uh, deserves... And if you're uh, if you frequent the ride on two forums, you'll understand why the uh, whole uh, guitar guitar cutter gets that because it is a bit it, it is an old bit. So uh, anyway, so 
those guys they didn't run away with it, but uh, they still it was a race between pretty much Barbara and Davizioso, and Barbara. I say dominated the race, but every time Davizioso really tried to make a move um, and make a statement to try and get in the lead, Barbara was pretty much able to come right back and um, and hold him off. So decent race, especially back about fourth through uh, six six seventh spot. Uh, good, uh, a pretty pretty good crew running through there uh, made it interesting. But uh, as far as you know. As far as the two fifty, that was that was pretty much what I noticed. Um, Oyama had a nice uh, nice third spot, kind of backed up his win at uh, at uh, Istanbul two weeks ago. Excuse me. <coughs> need a uh, need a drink. Unfortunately, it's non-alcoholic. Coming down with something, so whatever it is, I don't know, but it's not bad yet. Just hopefully, it holds off for. Ever. So, uh, 250 race. Uh, Barbara, as we said, took the win. Davizioso second. Ayoyama in third. Jorge Lorenzo, or Lorenzo, in uh, fourth spot. Takahashi um, in uh, fifth spot. Simoncelli in sixth. Locatelli seventh. Ayoyama's uh, uh, brother in eighth on the Honda. That's his younger brother, if I remember right. Uh, Anthony West in ninth. And uh, Jakob Smertz in uh, in tenth, Pogiali in eleventh, uh, Gintoli in twelfth, and uh, a few of the other ones. Uh, for the British people in the audience, uh, you know your boy uh, Chaz Davies was uh, was down in seventeenth spot. And uh, as we go to the points, it is sorry, um, Davizioso on top. On uh, 72 points, uh, Hector Barbara in second spot with 69. Jorge Lorenzo with uh, 63 points in third. Uh, uh, Hiroshi Aoyama in uh, fourth spot on 62. So really between those four, 10 point difference. So that's uh, that's good. That's uh, it should be good. Uh, looks to be a pretty good championship uh, between them. Then you got to take a step back to Locatelli in fifth with 47. Uh, Takahashi is in sixth with 42. Uh, Gintoli with uh, 31 is in 7th. Alex DeAngelis uh, with 24 and 8th. Uh, Simoncelli is uh, in ninth with 23, uh, 23 points. And uh, Jakob Smertz on 21 points is in 10th spot. As far as the constructors go, Aprilia on top with 95. Um, Honda in 2nd spot with 72. KTM in 3rd with 62. And uh, Jalera back in 4th spot with uh with 23 so um 250 race was was good it was a good race just <clears throat> nothing really dynamite or stood out just it was a good solid race so um if you haven't seen it yet uh it's worth watching it was it was a, it was a good race so now uh moto gp guess the big um uh, big news was uh, what happened to the doctor? Well, there's two big stories here. One, uh, one being the Hobbit, and two being the doctor. Uh, let's get to the doctor first. Um, basically, <coughs> uh, go over to the site um, RumbleStripperRadio.com, and uh, I'll put a picture up. It's a screen capture from the uh, from the race, and it'll show you that. He lost a huge chunk out of his front tire. Now it's not often that um, that you see a front tire chunk. Usually it's uh, it's the rear tire. But I get the idea that the front end problems that they're having are so bad that there's so much vibration that it's pushing so hard. Um, and Rossi trying to be Rossi and just ride around it, um, basically pushed that tire so hard that it chunked. So. Um, so what I really need is, uh, sorry about that, is a uh, is one of those cough drop buttons, so it uh, cuts out, uh, and and you don't have to hear hear me clear my throat and cough and and all that. So apologize for that, for the uh, silence delay or just general noise. So, anyways, the doctor with uh, massive problems and uh, scores no points, which is we'll talk about how and, uh, what that's doing for his championship uh, effort. 
But the other big story, of course, is that The Hobbit took the win. And um, semi-convincingly, um, if you hear or listen to the post-race interviews, um, Nicky Hayden flat out says, you know, he's, he pushed and pushed and pushed and um, ran some fast, some, you know, best of fast laps, uh, race uh, fast laps for the race uh, at the end, like the last few laps, and just, um, he, you know, Pedroza was able to counterattack and and just put his head down a little bit more and 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 keep the gap up. So, <clears throat> you know, having a what twenty 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 five kilo weight advantage uh, has its advantages, uh, both under the brakes and on acceleration. And um, so, but I mean, Pedroza he won. I mean, he was he 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 flat out rode and won and 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 ran a great race. Um, what was what was great to see from an American standpoint is from the beginning, with Colin and uh, and Hopper out front and just kind of you know running running out running out front and, and looking good, and it was just fun to see because those guys most uh, the a lot of people have like a love hate relationship with them. You're either a fan of theirs or you can't stand them. You know, the, you know the fact that they that they breathe air is is objectionable to you, but uh, it was it was good because I actually like both those guys. Um, Colin, I always like to see Colin up front because you get to see him on the podium, and he always has he, he's always interesting to listen to. I mean he he's one of those guys who he's very serious about what he does, but he enjoys it and understands that he's supposed to be having fun. Um, and when everything goes well, you definitely see that he really enjoyed it. Um, and he was pretty funny. He's like, <laughs> pretty, please, 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 pretty please with sugar on top. Can we get this front end stuff fixed? Um, you know, the third place for Colin, and he flat out said, you know, that was as fast as the bike was going to go without throwing it down the road. And that was cool. You know, he's uh, he ran a good race, and it was great to see Colin get some results. And he was pretty much all weekend faster than Rossi, which um, he's usually very close. And then in the race, Rossi does, you know, Rossi and, and, and tends to pick something up or find something where it was pretty much the opposite. Rossi had more prop. He thought they thought they had some stuff figured out in that last session. Come race time, didn't work out whether they went a different direction or, or whatever, but it just didn't work out. And obviously he didn't finish the race because of, of the tire issue where Colin was able to put something together, run relatively strong all race, and uh, and finish on the podium. Uh, as for Hopper, who finished in fourth spot, two things. One, uh, you know this kid is riding his ass off if he's dragging elbows in corners. Okay, he's he's pushing the Suzuki for everything that it's worth. And you know they've had they've looked in preseason testing they they looked promising, but since uh, the season started, it's it's not been so good. Including as everyone knows, thirteen motors going south at. Uh, at uh, gutter i'm sorry i guess that calls for this doesn't it oops don't want to do that because i don't want to kill anyone but uh there we go you know literally the only person uh, until recently um, that had a chance of doing well on the bike was denny crane yeah exactly so it was good to see hopper put something together and just miss out on the box in 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 fourth spot i mean he ended up uh, almost five seconds back of Colin, but was able to hang hang with Colin Colin for most of the race. Um, so hopefully Suzuki's putting something together now. From what I understand, I've heard two things. One, one pretty much everyone has traction control, but I guess the traction control system that Suzuki has is pretty rudimentary and doesn't work too well. So everything that you see in Vermeulen and Hopkins do is with essentially not a good traction control system they just whether it's a software issue or or what i don't know but um i've heard that i've actually even heard to say that they run without it just because it's easier to deal with without running it than how it works but you know don't count that as gospel just rumors floating out of the paddock and and things that come my way from uh emails and, and and different conversations the other person uh, who once again, well, a couple, actually a lot of impressive runs through the weekend. Um, once again, Casey Stoner showing that the kid is, is, is something else. Um, 
understand, and I don't know if I really touched on this that much with the uh, with the race from uh, Istanbul, but the bike that Stoner is on is very much a third line Honda. Okay, I mean, there's the Grassini team is sort of like a one A team. They they're pretty much the same. Um, uh, level of support that the Repsol team gets. It's sometimes they get good stuff, sometimes they don't. It, it's it's one of those one one a type of things. And then you have the step down to the LCR, the uh, the JIR team that runs uh, Makoto Tamada. They're they're definitely second team, you know, second in line. And then Stoner on uh, the LCR team, definitely third level team. Okay. They're not getting any of the good stuff. They tend to run the oldest stuff out there, which sometimes is an advantage. Uh, Mick Dewan certainly proved that. He'd never run the new stuff. He always like, let someone else try all this new crap out and let me run what I know works. Um, so Stoner is on a bike that, you know, they don't have a big budget. They don't really have, they're another one that don't really have, that doesn't really have a good traction control system. Uh, if they have one at all that works right. And, and you can really see by the way the kid rides the bike um, that he's riding it very differently than everyone else on the Honda. So Stoner came in in fifth. Uh, Makoto Tamada finally had a reasonable race um, on the Michelins. I mean, since they made the move, since they made made him change from Bridgestones to Michelin. <coughs> sorry, I apologize again. Um, you know, he's just never been comfortable on the bike, and. Um, from the press releases that came out and the comments uh, throughout the weekend is um, they finally got the bike, the front end of the bike where he's comfortable with it and confident where he can start to push. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's, they found the bike combination or he's just understands finally what, uh, what the front end is doing. So uh, Tomato was in six. Melandry ended up in seventh spot and there was some, Words exchanged, or I don't press release words exchanged between Melandry and and the doctor as far as what was going on mid race, but and much to do about nothing for the most part. I think they're just trying to play mind games with each other. Uh, Caparossi, pretty disappointing back in eighth. G Bernau again another disappointing race in ninth. Shini Nakano tenth. Um, you know, I guess not a bad run. Uh, back in thirteenth spot was Kenny Roberts Jr. Now, the last two races, these guys have been way off the pace. Um, you know, Roberts finished back, uh, you know, a minute back. And I guess the good thing for that team is that they're supposed to have a new chassis for this weekend at Le Mans. And hopefully that's the issue. Um, I'm trying to remember off terminal speed how much they were down on everyone. But a lot of the speed isn't necessarily motor. It's <clears throat> the drive that you're getting through the corners to set yourself up down the long straight. So... If they're having the chassis problems that I think they're having with the bike at the moment, they're not getting be able to get through the corner and on you know and on the gas is hard. So that's why uh, the lap times have been off and uh, their terminal speed is down. But um, hopefully this new chassis that they've been working on for a couple months is set to go and and they'll have some good results back at Le Mans. So I'm hoping to see that. But um, as far as who got on the box, we talked about Colin Edwards having a great race, um, led uh, the first seven laps. I think I wrote, did I write that down, how many he led? No, actually I didn't. Um, how many laps he he, uh, he led <clears throat> when, uh, and then uh, Nikki and, and uh, Pedroza came through. And uh, of course, Nikki Hayden in second spot, as we said, and Danny Pedroza, the Hobbit, uh, took his first win. And uh, the first of, of quite a few, I'm, I'm sure we'll see. Now, the study in contrast, it... This is, I'm not going to go, I'm, all right, here we go to uh, to the opinion that you come to this uh, podcast for. Uh, after I, like, cough my guts out here for a second, so uh, hit the pause here for you. So you look at, at Nikki and Colin in the post-race, and, you know, they're disappointed. Nikki, you can definitely see, was was irritated that he didn't get the win. He's so, so close to getting that, that second win, and he can, you know, he can literally smell it and taste it and just can't quite get there and colin is colin you you got personality each of those guys they they got a little personality they got something to say and i've talked about my uh my love for the hobbit and that you know 
as I always say, that vanilla ice cream uh, looks like a habanero pepper next to next to this guy. And 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 I've explained that this kid has a ton of pressure on him that I don't think we that, that anyone not outside of Spain doesn't doesn't understand or doesn't really get. Um, I'm sure that this being Monday, that you know Monday morning, every newspaper front page Danny Pedroza you know wins the MotoGP race of the front page of the the main front page not the sports section the main page that this kid uh won the race uh i got the chance to watch uh the istanbul race um from spanish television and it's a internet file that's floating around you know one of those files that floats around the interweb out there that if you know how to get and find you can you can get it um and I'm not saying that I understood a whole lot of the commentary, little bits and pieces, but it was two interesting things was that, well, the main interesting thing was, was the commercials. And of all the commercials that were run, Pedroza was probably in three of them. So, you know, it was a Repsol commercial, and I can't remember what the other two ones were to save my life at this point. But there's the fact that, you know, he's being used, and this is on, like, you know, for an American, it, it's not like this is on Speed Channel. This is more like it's on ABC, NBC, CBS. So, you know, NASCAR type coverage. All right. So, for those of the rest of you, the world not subject to NASCAR, count your blessings. Um, and you guys, the rest of the world, understand what what uh, motorsports coverage can and should be. So, but anyways, he's under a lot of pressure. Uh, number one, <clears throat> number two, the culture is such that, uh, as I stated before, it's more of um, your heroes are supposed to be stoic. Yeah, you know, they're not show a ton of emotion, not get overly excited. Uh, you know, where the Italians, it's pretty much the opposite. They expect their uh, their heroes and their and their sports heroes to be emotional and 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 you kind of wear their heart on their sleeve. And and the Spanish are, you know, almost 180 degrees the opposite. So. So he got all that going against him. And when he won, you actually saw some genuine emotion from him. He looked, you know, he clutched his hands to his visor and, you know, kind of pounded his tank and stuff. And going up on the podium, you know, he's, it looked like he, he actually had a smile on his face and he's sticking his tongue out at his crew or whatever, which looked a little odd, but, hey, you know, whatever. But then then you get to the post-race conference. And... um you know he's he's the Asimov robot for you know, the Honda Asimov robot. It just uh, I push bike to to maximum, concentrate maximum. Was a very good race uh, for the most part. I'm happy. Uh, you know, thanks to everyone. Okay. Wow, you just won your first MotoGP race. Something you've probably been dreaming about. Um, for the last 10 or 15 years. I understand you've won world championships in uh, two, two, two championships in 250, a championship in 125. So winning in, you know, is nothing new. But you have just won the first race in the pinnacle class. And the emotion died out that quickly? Um, I, I find that hard to believe. And... I understand that the I understand everything about what's going on here, but I I was gonna I was starting to cut him some slack on hey emotion cool on the podium he seems to be enjoying himself, and then boom, turned off. Now maybe he's maybe he's one of these people that okay I won that's great on to the next thing. I can understand that, but I would think that with as many fans as this kid has that you know that you want to involve them and let them share. In your excitement, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that was I mean, go back to Laguna last year when Nicky won his won the race. I mean, he's dancing all over the place, just smiling, you know, running extra laps around the track. Um, Post race conference, you couldn't wipe the smile off his face. It just, and I'm not saying that that's what I want everyone to be, but it was. I think Nicky, at least from an outward standpoint. 
Nicky understood and appreciated what he had just accomplished. And the fact that it was done at his home track, okay, maybe that much more so. And you just don't get that from Pedroza. I just, it kills me. Because um, the kid is so good. I, I understand, I you know, I call him the Hobbit because he's, you know, four foot eleven and 100 pounds on a good day. And I'm not going to do the metric conversion for you, so... And and the kid has all the talent in the world. I, and I'm never gonna I'm never gonna diss his talent. Okay, he's he's he is that good. It just I can't get on board with the guy. I just just can't do it. Now here's the other uh, the opposite end. Um, sort of I'm gonna call his peer, and that's Casey Stoner. If Stoner continues to do what he's doing, and uh, Cecanello's team starts getting the support and the parts and the money from Honda that they should for this kid. Then it's going to be fun because Stoner's a, a, a he just seems like one of those typical laid back Australian kind of guys, you know. Is I mean he's a kid, he's what twenty years old. Uh, he Lily, he and Pedroza are almost about the same age to the day. Um, I have to look at the birth dates, but they're within like a couple months of each other, if I'm not mistaken. Um, <clears throat> it. At least the kid's got some personality. I mean, I just just listened to an interview with him, and uh, I'm not saying like he's out. You know, he's not like super outgoing, but at least he's got a personality. He, he smiles. He, I mean, you can just listening to him, you can tell he smiles. Um, he's more upbeat. And um, the interesting thing is, without giving away too much from where I got this. Um, those of you who know, know that his, his father pretty much sold everything that, uh, that they owned in Australia when he was 14, moved to England and then very quickly moved to, to Spain and set up, set up shop there and, uh, and got Casey under the tutelage of, uh, Alberto Pug, who was also responsible for Casey Stoner. And the very interesting thing is, um, while Pedrosa always got the best parts and the best bikes, Stoner rarely did. And Stoner was often smoking Pedrosa very early in their, in their life. And last year, if you watched 250, what was it? It was Stoner and Pedrosa for the most part. And um, yeah, they were more on equal machines last year than this year. I mean, this year it's a huge difference in the quality of the machines. And yet Stoner's still up there. So what does that tell you? They get him on some frontline machinery, and uh, that kid will be dangerous. And and um, so at least we get that. So uh, the reason I even brought that up is I'm thinking towards the future. If uh, Rossi goes Formula One or just another couple of years, if he decides he's had enough, um, you know, you're left with who are we left with? Well, you know, you're left with Hayden, who's 24. Hopkins is 21. And Petroza and um, and 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 Stoner, who are both like twenty, I think Tony Elias and Marco Melandri are both like twenty two, twenty three, and that. I mean, there's so there's a lot of good new young blood, and you're just wondering who's going to be the personality that takes this thing over. I mean, Rossi is because because of his domination and because of his outgoing personality. Um, has dominated and they've really used that to market, which is great. That's fine. Um, but they just got to be set up to go the next step. Who's going to be next once Rossi goes. So um, something to, something just to stir in the back of your mind and, and think about is do, who, who do you, who do you want the face of, or who would you prefer to be the face of MotoGP going forward? Let's take Rossi out of the equation and look at the talent, the new talent that's in there. Who would you who would you choose? Who would be your choice for the face going forward? Send uh, send your comments and feedback to rumblestripradio at moto uh, at gmail dot com. Rumblestripradio at gmail dot com, and uh, let's hear what you have to say about that. So, um, sorry, let's uh, let's uh, kick the points up. So, um, Nick with the second place. It's funny he's. Here, here's where you're going is, you know this guy's a racer because a lot of people, the last, you know, he got a third place and took over the championship at uh, Istanbul, got a six, uh, second place, really built up a big lead in the championship for him. And he's not talking about the championship. He's talking about how bitterly disappointed he is not to have won the race, which 
is both good and bad. It's bad. It, well, it's bad in the sense of he should be thinking about the championship, um, but it's good because he doesn't want to back his way into the championship. He wants to go out there and win and win his way to the championship. So I, I dig that. So uh, excuse me, Hayden is up top uh, by 13 points on uh, 72. Uh, Caparossi in second place with 59. Uh, the Hobbit is in third place with 57. Melandry in fourth place with 54. Stoner is in fifth place with 52. The Doctor is uh, sixth place with 40 points. So he's 32 points back right now, but don't count him out. Uh, simply because, as, as a number of people pointed out, back in 2000, 99. It was 99, uh, I think, the 250 championship. He was down by like 34 or 37 points at one time and, and still came back to win. So a lot of races left in this in the series, so there's plenty of time to to make that to make that back. Um, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully they'll get the that crew will get things going. Uh, Tony Elias is in 7th place on 37. Colin Edwards in 8th place on 35. Shinin Nakano in ninth place uh, on 28. And uh, the modern-day Crevillier, Seti Gibernau, back in 10th spot uh, on 25. Makoto Damato in 11th with 24. Um, Hopkins and Roberts are tied at 20 points. Vermeulen, who crashed out early, uh, unfortunately, is in 14th spot with 13 points. Uh, Cheka in... Uh, 15th spot on 10 points. Depunier with 8. And then Ellison and Hoffman are tied with 3 points. Uh, Constructors Championship. Honda out front with 90. Uh, you know, as, as you would expect given that they have you know, 5 bikes out there. Uh, Yamaha with 59. Ducati with 59. Suzuki with 29. Uh, Kawasaki, I'm sorry. Suzuki on 29. Kawasaki with 28. And uh, Roberts with 20. So... That uh, that is Shanghai, the Shanghai surprise. So, whew. anyways, so uh, one last word from uh, one of the MPG crew. Two hundred and forty horsepower, two hundred miles per hour, two wheels with no roll cage. This is the world of motorcycle road racing, the pinnacle of motorsport. I'm Bob Hayes, host of MotoGP OD, the podcast about motorcycle road racing. Tune in each week as we discuss what's happening in MotoGP, World Superbike, and AMA racing. Race reports, tech talk, opinion, reader email, we have it all. Just go to www.motogpod.com and subscribe. Ah, okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the last show that uh, that came out Friday for uh, for Bob's show there at MotoGP OD was a, was a good show. It was Jim Race, uh, Bob, and, and Liam Schubert. And it, was, it was good. There was a lot of good stuff covered in that. A lot of stuff that uh, I've spoken with Liam in the past. Um, some other information that came out. It was pretty good. And let's see, what else do we have? Oh, email. And I mentioned this in the last show, and uh, this is from Chris. And I said I was going to get back to you, Chris, and I haven't, and I apologize. This last week was, was an interesting week for a lot of different reasons. So it says, Duke, just got done watching the Fontucky Superbike race. Actually, he said Fontana Superbike and Supersport races. And all I have to say is, what the fuck? I mean, can they have a more confusing track layout? I should have stated at the beginning, this is my first year watching AMA, so maybe the cones and random rumble strips are common. But they certainly seem to confuse the riders to where they're supposed to go. That, along with the lack of penalties that even came up for not following the track. I think I saw at least three people that dove under some random parts and kept going, but heard nothing about a penalty for it. Has the AMA, has the AMA always been this disorganized? Maybe I'm being naive about what motorcycle racing is here in the States, but it seems like a club event race. <laughs> I, a, hmm. I don't even know if I was expect what I was expecting, um, but this event didn't seem very professional. Oh, and one last rant. Where the hell are the track officials and support teams? People crashed and no one is on the scene for a good five minutes. Plus, at the end of the, ra plus the, end of the race was red flag. Did it seem like there was a big time lag before someone noticed there was a wrecked bike laying in the middle of the track? I guess they didn't show it when the guy crashed on TV, so I don't really know how long the bike was sitting up there. Uh, keep up the good pass. Thanks, Chris. Well, Chris, a lot of good questions and a lot of good observations in here. Um, let's go. Let's talk about the track layout. Is the track layout confusing? Yeah, it's it's a clusterfuck, okay? Um, but that's what you get when you, when you uh, run a roval. And what's a roval? It's a road race course set up inside an oval um i've never seen a good one never 
Never. They all suck. Um, you're trying to create something that doesn't exist. So uh, yeah, that's issue number one. Um, I, and I don't think that layout has really ever been the, exactly the same two years in a row. They keep the same distance, but they always tweak the corners and do a little bit here and there. And The only reason that they run that race is because it's a, uh, basically all the um, Japanese bike teams, Honda, Suzuki, Kawasaki, Yamaha, are based um, out of the Torrance area, which is about 20, 20 to 30 miles from uh, from the California Speedway. And that's the only reason they run there. Um, they tried running at Willow Springs, and it just... Willow Springs is a cool track, but it's it's a club track. It's just very, very difficult to put on a national event at that track. Where California Speedway, at least it's built to handle, you know, 100,000 people for a net car race. Um, so it's got the infrastructure to do it, but you're trying to run a road race inside an uh an oval and just it sucks so any any roval race will be that fucked up basically um as far as the penalties go if you if you cut the track as long as you rejoin where you left um there's no penalty so basically you if you if you outbreak yourself run through shortcut it and do not gain a posi- gain position by doing so, then there's no penalty. That's that's pretty much standard um, all the way through, even up into the MotoGP level. Um, so that takes care of that. Is has the AMA always been this disorganized? <laughs> Son, that's about a 45 minute show on its own. And actually, if you go back to some of the early early uh, early shows about Daytona and stuff like that, I talk about how. AMA has somewhat of a history of the, of this stuff. Now, the people who actually work, and, and I've known a number of these people over the years, trust me, they're working their ass off. They're, they're trying to do what they can, but some of the support systems in there just aren't there. Um, their budget has been cut quite a bit in the last few years, uh, so they don't, there's this, the support mechanisms just aren't there. But um, let's just leave it at that. It's... Is the AMA disorganized? Does it look like a club race sometimes? Yeah. And um, and sometimes that's on a good day. And track officials report. What you see on TV, understand what you see on and, and I didn't get the idea of if you were there in person or were watching this on TV. <clears throat> and I didn't get to watch a whole lot of, other than the super bike races on TV. But um, what you see on TV and what happens on the track sometimes bear no relationship to each other because a lot of the stuff is cut and edited before it's aired. So, um, for the most part, if, if there's a bike lane on track and it's a danger, they will red flag. In fact, they tend to red flag the race too often rather than not enough. So that that's where I'm going to cut them some slack and just maybe it was a weird incident or something. So anyways, um, where, what were your expectations? I don't know. You just, I guess having watched the AMA often, you know, from what we could see way back in the day, which wasn't a whole lot on TV to to today. Sometimes you just don't hold it out to be a MotoGP race. Just understand that. And um, if you think if you go to if you go to some club races and understand how club races run, and if you think they run okay, just keep that level of expectation. And then for the most time, you'll you know you won't be disappointed. So, uh, Chris, thanks for uh, th- thanks for the email. I apologize for taking. Uh, you know, week and a half to get back to you on that, but instead of me emailing it to you, you got it right on the read right got it talked about on the podcast. So, uh, with that, we are running a whole lot longer than I wanted to. I didn't really want to run as long as we did, but hey, there you go. We had a lot to cover. I thought I might be able to kick something out a little quicker, but there, there we go. So, uh, contact info once again, feedback as always welcome. RumbleStripRadio at gmail dot com. Um, click the links on the site to subscribe. Uh, you can put feedback on the website if you like. Um, head on over to Komodo Gear and check out their stuff. Um, not full on board helping the site, but hey, you know they're doing some stuff to help us out here and there a little bit. So uh, check out Komodo Gear. And uh, if the weather improves a little bit or tires, you know my tires come in and I can actually get and start riding again, um, we'll start talking about some talking about the gear that they sent 
and uh, getting a full-on review for you on that as well. So, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, and once again, uh, if you can vote for us on Podcast Alley, that'd be great. If you could leave a review for us on uh, the iTunes Music Store under the podcast section, uh, give us a review, vote on, you know, rate us. That would be great as well. Looking forward to uh, to seeing that. And as I always say, feedback welcome. Also, to let you know that Rumble Strip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media LLC and is released under a Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved. So, until later in the week, when I hope to be bringing you some uh, good stuff, and if not, uh, we'll definitely be talking about the uh, previewing the Le Mans MotoGP race and the AMA race at uh, Sears Point this weekend. So, until later in the week, I am the Duke. Thanks for showing up, catching up, and hanging out. Keep it on two wheels, people.